Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Just Johnson. Scoot is on assignment again, I guess we'll say. Yes, Scoot is he's, he's again on the volleyball assignment, traveling <laughs> the the greater uh, eastern uh, Ohio and uh, western West Virginia area to check out and make sure we know as much as we can about prep women's volleyball. Yes. I mean, we were- Everything you needed to know that you didn't know you needed to know about volleyball. He's the authority on it. Uh, so, Johnson, it's just you and I. And uh, you know we uh, we I, we are a West Virginia University sports podcast. Yes, and it is becoming increasingly difficult, difficult. on a week by week week by week basis to, to do this. to be it that. Is. Yes, it is. Yes, but we're gonna try. Uh, we're gonna try. WVU does win a game this week. Uh, they beat Iowa State seventy nine to sixty three earlier in the week, and then they play Saturday uh, against Oklahoma State, and it was. Atrocious, and then they went to Stillwater. So any hope and fun and happy that you got out of winning at home against Iowa State, uh, if you watched yesterday's game in Stillwater, was quickly squashed by about what Guido? Maybe two to th- two to four minutes into the second half. Any hope you had yeah. pretty much got squashed like a bug. Yeah, WVU ends up losing that game, eighty-one to fifty-eight, and. I, I have so many things I want to talk about, but I think the focus of this week, where it's just you and I, we're going to talk about Coach Huggins. We're going to talk about Coach Huggins and his relationship with his players and his opinion on this team. And if anybody didn't get a chance, WVU puts it up on all the podcast platforms. Listen to his post-game interview with Tony Caridi. It is... Um, I won't say it's mind blowing. It is just it's jarring to hear how many uh, issues there are with this team, I think. And he is trying his best to hold it together. And I think the most important thing to come out of the whole thing is Coach Huggins said and he said he said to the players and he said it on the air. He was like, I will fix this because I'm not going out like this. And that's. That's just so telling, Johnson, to hear him say that. Yeah, because it's it's like all fun and games when you're on WVU Twitter or you know we're on the text machine and you're kicking around life after hugs and how's hugs going to finish things up. But then when the man himself kind of doesn't, I'm not going to say puts it into words, but you know speaks speaks to it directly. You're like, oh, whoa, okay, it's getting yeah. real now here. With this yeah. situation, and and so you know, the, a lot of things, a lot of things happen Saturday in Stillwater. And can we go back a second, Guido, just to because you did bring up a, a ray of sunshine, right? Uh, so the Iowa State we game, we should talk about it at yes. home. I I just want to bring it up because anyone who watches WVU consistently, you kind of knew, right? I mean, even as even as that game is ending, Guido, to to your credit on the text machine, you're texting me and Scoot we almost had 20 turnovers. Like at one point you were tweeting alternating air balls. Like this was bad (laughs) basketball, right? And and it was kind of like WVU won not in look, I'm not trying to be salty, but not so much because of the good basketball they played, but really they were sort of out batted by (laughs) Iowa state. Like, I don't know how to say it, but Iowa state misses like 
10 free throws. They couldn't throw it in the ocean. I think for the game, they shoot 37%. They don't play defense very well. Um, WVU manages to out-rebound them by 10. When's the last time WVU's out-rebounded a team? You know, so yes. I think people fell in love with Iowa State because um, – they were like, oh, and something in conference last year. You know, they really had a rough go. This uh, Otzelberger guy, you know, they call it like Otzelberger ball or something that they're playing. Like <laughs> yeah. he's, I think he's a good coach and he had them, it, it, especially in the early season, I think they kind of had some success non-con like WVU did and everyone kind of fell in love with them. They're now like three and eight after this game in conference with WVU. And I think it's sort of like, you know, you're seeing the real team, you know, they're just sort of like, they kind of resemble last year's Iowa state team for the most part. So WVU takes care of business, but it's not like we left that win. Like we knew better. I feel like I saw a lot of people on Twitter, like we're good again, you know? And it's like, like a win, a win does make you feel great. And it ails, you know, it heals a lot of, of things you're you're ailing with but man we went into Stillwater and just looked like the same old team that's been going through the motions yeah and the thing about that Iowa State game I mean and, and here's the here's the, the truth about it like it was it was the battle of the bottom like it was the two <laughs> two teams that are at the bottom of the barrel in the Big 12 right now and uh, you know it was and I, I said to you guys I was I was like WVU played bad they're just lucky Iowa State played more bad <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's essentially that in a nutshell. So now you go to, I will say though, like having said that, even I was guilty of, I was texting you guys like, look, now you look yes. at this remaining schedule. I, like I, I drank a bit of Kool-Aid after this Iowa you State did. game because I, I, and I was thinking, here was my thought process though. Like you're bad, right? Like we know we're bad. You're bad. But there's a heck of a lot of really bad left on your schedule like we were we were talking on the text machine then you go to a lame duck oklahoma state team and we we've talked at length about how much we respect mike boynton but oklahoma state got a raw deal they're not playing for anything they already have a losing record you got that coming up right purple kansas you still got two games against horn frogs i mean there's and another game against this iowa state team and and when you're only looking for maybe four more wins three more wins i was like yeah, maybe there's a shot here, you know, we get to 18, 19 wins. And then this trip to Stillwater was a disaster. I actually feel, Guido, like this was a, even for us, a regression. I didn't know that it was possible to see us take even another step back. This felt like even another step back. And and, and, And so this game on Saturday, I mean, first of all, you know, we always have we've been talking about the tale of two halves with this team, how they can put it together for a half and then it seems to fall apart. And and at halftime, you know, it was it wasn't it it wasn't like we had played a bad first half. You know, no. I think it was a solid first half. We were down six going into half and and that was you know, we gave up points right there at the buzzer at yeah. the end of first half. I think that's what uh, set the tone, didn't it? It was like it yeah. got loose at the end of the half and you were like, Oh yeah. man, here we like this feels Oklahoma State had like two or three possessions there at the end of the first half, and I was like, Ooh, it, it feels like it's turning yeah, really quick. You're exactly right. Thank God and in my head too, Johnson, like watching it, I was like Oh, I'm glad we're going into halftime because that at least resets it. Yeah, like right, they were starting right. to get that momentum, and I was like, "Okay, half is going to reset it." Yeah, 
half did not reset it. Like half did not reset it. Like the Xbox locked up. You were trying to hold the button <laughs> right. to get it to restart. Right. Like it was a mess uh, coming into the second half. So WVU comes in the second half. Uh, Oklahoma State goes on what felt like a thirty to two run. I think it was actually uh, twelve or fourteen to two. Yeah, I think ended, it was fourteen but... to two. It was an eight zero run in the middle of that at some point. But you know, you're looking at the clock. I think four or five minutes in, six minutes in. WVU has still only put two points on the board and it was just ugly. And it was one of those, like from that point on, you had just dug yourself a hole in the rest of this game. They, I think at one point they cut it to 12 again. Um, but that quickly got, got regained. We, we never got the momentum again. And it, and it's a shame because this was, it's hard to win on the road in this conference. We say that all the time, but this was a totally gettable game. Um, and I think they just really let this get away from them. And by the mid, from like mid second half on, Guido, look, this was a hard game to watch. I mean, from it was, it was a, the last like ten minutes of this game was just hard to watch if you're a WVU fan. And and so we're you know we're at a point now with this team, and I think I, I have to be honest. I, and I said this, you know, during the Oklahoma game, you know, I, like I, I said, hey, I felt like that three pointer that ha the half court shot at the buzzer of the first half of the Oklahoma game felt like it was the end of the season. <laughs> you did say, yes, it's like a marked point. And I, and I still feel that way. Um, and I think that this team, you know, is 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 lost. And, I, and it starts with and I hate to this is somebody I love on the team and I hate to point him out, but it starts with the Gabe Osaboyan issues. Yeah. Gabe Osaboyan now has three technical fouls in two games. He and Huggins go off the court yelling at each other. Like yelling at each other. And first of all, you know, for your basketball career, yelling, like screaming at your head coach, probably not a, a smart move. Probably not a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not a positive outcome from that. And then Huggins on the post game of the Oklahoma State game, he comes out and he says, you know, Gabe's behavior is not what we're about. Gabe's behavior is terrible for the reputation of this basketball team and the university. Yeah. And so he call he calls Gabe out. And and what a terrible I think most people so just to stop right there for a second, because I, I I'm really glad you said it that way because for most people, I think if you looked around the WVU Twitterverse, if you just pulled Mountaineer Nation who watch basketball, you know, faithfully They'd if you said what's one bright spot from this season, a lot of them would immediately name Gabe and his effort. You know, uh, who was it that was putting out a poll about like who's the glue guys around the country right, in basketball? Right. And everyone submitted like, well, you got to look at Asaboyan because of all the stuff he does, workmanlike attitude. But this, that you're right. These last two games, and, and and let's add to the fact that as he's getting the two technicals to close this out. I mean, this is ugly enough. It closes out with the double technical on Gabe. He's removed. Hugs springs up off the the stool, you know, in an arg in a screaming match with him, kind of like, "Hey, get out of here!" type of screaming match. So, like, you know, it, not only the halftime, then end of game, the whole the whole scene was ugly, and it actually just makes me feel bad because you can tell these right. are guys that are super competitive i mean you're not going to question gabe's effort but no. the attitude has and gone it, so far south that even you know even these forces on the team that in a good season should probably some of the things that you lean on you know e you know even they are strained and everyone is in such a bad a bad way here yeah i mean and, I, and listen i 
I I get it. Like I can't. I get where Gabe's coming from on it. And I I, you know, the problem that I have is, and Huggins brought this up in the post game, is that you know Gabe is like, well, I'm getting these fouls called to me, and they're not, and they're not going my way. And these, it's the ref, it's the ref, it's the ref. And Hugs like, listen, it's two different refs. The ref yesterday was a Final Four ref, you know, who's who's played right, you know, done done major games in the NCAA, right. And I think that you know Gabe has a tendency. To, and it's I think it's gotten worse now that this team has continued to struggle that his emotions just get the best of him yeah and I'm gonna I'm gonna channel my inner scoot here for a second Guido since he's not able to join us I think if scoot were here scoot talks about matchups all the time and he's right and this was a bad I mean look I know they're a sub 500 team but this is one of those games where the lack of our inside presence felt like it yeah. was being just triple magnified during the game the CSA character for for Oklahoma State and some of their other they had multiple big men that just kind of feasted at one point um, you know my dad and I are watching the game it's like and, and he looks at me he's like how many layups and dunks are they gonna have I think at one point they flashed a graphic it was like points in the paint 34 to 6 or something like that yeah. it was it was atrocious and so I think I bring it up because I think when you go back to Gabe I'm sure he feels like he spends all game, you know, undersized against these guys in a wrestling match, you know, trying to fight amongst these trees because there's not a whole lot of help he gets under the basket. And, and you know, then you're down 22 or whatever, and people are clowning on you with oops and stuff. And I think it just boils over. Now, it doesn't excuse, I don't say that to excuse, you know, double technicals and say, blaming everything on the refs and screaming at hugs and stuff. But I can see where this felt like one of those games where if you had, you know, a big man or someone else under the basket to help you combat that, then you probably don't run into this just parade of inside inside points. I mean, I felt like for for a time it was like Oklahoma State comes down, it's a quick trip, they get a layup. We spend 24 seconds of the shot clock trying to figure out which 20 footer we're going to shoot. You know, it was just really right. imbalanced. I mean, it was tough to watch. And that's what Huggins has been saying. And he said it, you know, he said it in multiple post games now. It's like, one, we can't pass. We're bad at passing. And we, and, and he was actually kind of funny in the presser, not the, not the Caridi post game, but the presser post game. He was kind of funny because he said, he said something like, I yell at them to pass to the open guy when they go down the court. And then by the time they figure it out, the guy's not open anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, they're bad at passing. They're bad at ball movement. And then on top of that, every team now has – every team we play has figured out, listen, we can big boy them. We can beat them in the inside. And that's what that's what's happening. I mean, Iowa State tried to do that. They just couldn't do it efficiently. They couldn't hit the shots. To your point, Guido, with that Oklahoma watermark, like, you know, point in time that you draw in the line, the line in the sand, you're probably right on more than just that half court shot, because those two big men for Oklahoma probably turned a light bulb on. For the rest of these teams that aren't very good, that at least against WVU, we can focus on size, and they're just not going to be able to do anything about it. I mean, yesterday was just really bad to watch, and I think you're right. I think Iowa State tried to do that. They just couldn't do it as well as they needed to. And so the, another thing that Huggins said that I thought was interesting, and, I, and this would this would be great, I, you know, I, I'd love to hear Scooty's input put on this, and we'll have to talk about it maybe in the offseason. Huggins brought up in the postgame presser, he said, you know, these kids don't get coached anymore. 
And he's not talking about from a collegiate level. I think he's talking about from a high school level. And so fundamentals. He goes, they're too busy. There's too much, like, they're playing too many games. There are too many travel teams and summer leagues. And there's only 40 minutes of gym time for them to be coached. And then they have to go play a game here. They have to go do a tournament there. And they're spending all their time playing games and playing tournaments and traveling that they're not getting coached on fundamentals. And then by the time they get to the collegiate level, you know, these guys, and and he said, he goes, we spent, meaning the coaching staff, we spent all summer trying to teach these guys fundamentals, trying to get them the basics. And I think that, you know, he he sort of put it as like an indictment on what's happened over the past. I mean, because when you and I played high school sports, there weren't there was maybe a there was a summer team or summer league, but there weren't like you weren't playing, you know, regular sports and then a travel team and, a you know, three summer travel teams and then camps. And and now there's all of that. And I, he I think what he's trying to say is that it's muddying the waters of the talent out there yeah and it's a weird i kind of have to get my head around that because it feels like a weird quote from hugs because that i think a lot of people would say well you're facing that on the other rosters too on these other teams so are you know are they struggling with that i don't know but i think i think he probably gets handed a stat sheet and then gets questions on how many turnovers we had against this game. And you start to talk about ball handling and passing, you know, like you said, he's saying we can't, we don't know how to pass the ball. Just valuing the ball and taking care of it seems bad on this team. I don't think he feels like he has a set of guards he can depend on, like to handle the ball and bring it up. I think game to game, you could argue which point guards you'd rather have in. So I think, I'm sure he's frustrated about that, but at the same time, this lack of, like Guido, the stand around offense in this game was maddening to yeah. watch on TV, and and just watching people on Twitter, pretty much to a per- like, there's a good bit of people I follow on Twitter, and almost every single one of them brought it up. Like, how can how can everyone just simply and you like if you weren't watching the game and I heard someone say that I would think like oh that's hyperbole you're being really dramatic but then you watch the game and it it genuinely is people just standing in place while the shot clock runs and it's something that even on like a lot of people say well Hugs hasn't had the greatest offensive team season to season and I'll give you that but to me, this feels like a new level of just ineptitude on offense. I mean, scoring points during that 14-2 to two run to open the half and just trying to stem that and get it stopped with a bucket felt like impossible at times. It I went, mean, it yeah. felt impossible. And you fall back again, like midway through this game, you fall back to Malik Curry just trying to create and get to the back. You know, like you fall back to these like there's no offense – so the one or two creators you have on the team, they're just going to try to go create. And sometimes it's sloppy. Sometimes it's dribbling yeah. into three guys and then getting the ball taken from you, which is maddening. But it's like you can tell, okay, well, if nothing's going to happen, Gabe's going to try to 360 his way to the hoop, you know, spin dribble to the hoop. I mean, you, you see guys right. just like, well, okay, I'm going to try something here. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. And we saw that with the, all three of them yesterday. We saw, you know, Taz did it a couple of times. He's trying to create, you know, and he makes a mistake. He carries the ball. I mean, when's the last time you, like, how often do you see a carry <laughs> I, I called know. in a basketball We made game? the same comment at a three-second call sometime in the first half. It's like, okay, guys, come, like, come on. You know, you had that. 
you had that other situation where, like, in the press, Gabe is bringing the ball up the court. Right, I mean, I don't, right. I don't understand the thought process there. I don't think he's the ideal guy to be bringing the ball up the court. And then, you know, Malik Curry, and we've talked about him off and on this season, he's like flashes of greatness, and then you get frustrated with yeah. him. And this was one of those you get frustrated right. with him kind of games. Like, he's trying to create, and I get it. Like, you're trying to, to, to fuel the team a little bit, but you're out there and you're turning the ball over and you're uh, – so – it's just one of those things where I think that I, I I feel like Huggins is, and I won't say Huggins has lost this team, but I think this team is lost, like just in general. I, I don't know uh, the situation with the guys and if they're not getting along or what the, what it's like. I mean, Huggins says, you know, Jay Jacobs, by the way, is kind of interesting because he tries to pull things. As much as Hugs and, and everybody can, can make fun of him sometimes, Jay Jacobs asks the questions in such a manner that, like, they're so blunt and to the point where it, it pulls answers out of Hugs sometimes. And and Jay Jacobs pretty much says, you know, well, what what's the problem? Like, what can you do? And he's Hugs says to Jay Jacobs, I quote, I want to be careful about what I say. They have not put the time in. The guys don't stay after practice. And I'm not going to go out the, and I'm not going to go out like this. So he's you know, he's calling the guys out. He said he's he said he told them before this game. He goes, "I'm good with 7. I just need 7 players. And if you don't want to be here, don't be That's here. the quote I wanted to talk about. I'm glad you brought that up because what do you make of that? I mean, we've been saying this now for a couple games where Hugs gets in the post game and he he does the I'll fix it, which people have heard right. and they kind of expect him because, I mean, I think they like that about Huggins. Like, hey, I'm going to take the responsibility. I'm going to fix it. But now he's sprinkling in this like get out of here. Which one of you guys isn't going to be here? And we saw Senny Njai earlier this week. Um, announced that he was hitting the transfer portal. And so I think maybe having so having said that about this Oklahoma State game, I mean, it, it was just a dumpster fire. Um, shockingly bad to a team with a losing record is is just so bad. But what do you think, Guido? Like we, we had talked at length last week, and I especially remember saying myself that I'm not always convinced it's a player issue. I'm just not like, I know we're talking about players. I know we're talking about, Hey, we don't get in the gym and stuff and effort and attitude. I mean, I'm not hand waving that aside, but I still feel like there's plenty of critical eye to go around to this coaching staff. And I'm not just saying hugs. Like anytime you say anything detrimental about coaching, I think people come at you with, you know, pitchforks and torches about (laughs) hugs. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you watch these games and this game was no different. There's a lot of just it just looks lethargic on the sideline. Like it it people don't look nearly engaged as I would like them to look and I just feel like that's fine that we can we can certainly be critical of the players, but I think we need to be critical of the coaching staff as well. It's it feels unfair not to be. Well, I'm I'm going to bring my uh I'm going to put my business owner hat on here for a second, okay. Johnson. All right. And I'm I'm gonna say this. I, I think that uh, maybe hugs. I'll, I'll recommend a book, Coach Huggins. If you're listening, I'll recommend a book, Patrick Lencioni's Ideal Team Player. Great book. Okay, you should read it. I think the wrong people are on the bus, Johnson. Okay, and I think that's what the problem is. And maybe it's coaching. Maybe it's some of the coaches. Maybe it's some of the players, or a combination thereof. I think he's got the wrong people on the bus. I don't think this is a very cohesive, you know, team that 
I don't think they're working together. I don't think they're playing together. I, I mean, they're going to say that they have each other's backs, and I know there's friends and there's whatever. And like it, with any team, there's going to be you know factions and groups and guys that hang out and guys that don't hang out or whatever it might be. I, I'm going to tell all – I feel, f- totally believe, and Scoot brought it up last episode, next season there's going to be a ton of different names on this team. You're, uh, I, I think that even – some players that you think may stay aren't going to stay. I mean, we already have a lot of fifth year and seniors that are going to be going like, you know, McNeil and Taz and Curry. Yeah, I think right off Kerrigan. the bat, you've got like seven, six, yeah. seven guys that aren't, aren't going to be there by default. But you're saying even beyond that, you think just. Yeah, I mean, Scooty said 10. And at first I thought he was crazy when he said 10. I, I mean, there's 13 players on the team right now. I, I wouldn't be surprised if only three or four remain in next so season. So you're thinking we pick up a whole new busload is what you're thinking. I think we get and I think we need to. I mean, I think I think that you've got a situation where you have guys that aren't playing together. Uh in uh Patrick Lencioni's book that I mentioned, they talk about being humble humble, hungry, and smart. They, they, they you know, you've got to be able to be you've got to be able to have people that are achieving and shooting for the same goal together. And I think that this is one of those situations where they're not. And then what happens is, is you get guys who feel like, oh, well, it's not going the way it's supposed to go. And Taz feels like he's got to go out there and create or Sean is in his head and he thinks he's cold and he gets colder, you know? And, and there was a point yesterday where I was like, man, McNeil's like three for four beyond the arc. He has nine points. He's shooting great in the first half. And then he gets nailed to oh, the bench. Oh, nailed the to the bench. Half. Yeah, I mean, a huge chunk of the second half goes by. He's he's not even in the game. And I think back to your point, you, you make a wonderful point. So I'll give you that, Guido. That's, that's a great point. I'm now going to noodle on that, like who's on the bus and maybe who needs to not be on the bus anymore. I'm going to noodle on that. And I think Scoot brought up early in the season, like, look, this could be very um, disjointed because you have a lot of guys, you know, we've talked at length about the transfer portal folks, but you got a lot of fifth year guys that are new to this team that are probably thinking like, look, this is my last hurrah. I kind of need to show what I'm capable of doing. And maybe that's playing a big role here. Maybe that's, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not everyone playing together. That's why you see the offense and things like that not working, perhaps. I I don't know, but it's very and then I think couple that with we probably have guys playing out of position like Isaiah Cottrell. I think probably all of that goes together to be a very non-cohesive unit. So I I'd say you're on to something. Yeah. I'd say you're on to something. So, you know, it'll be it'll it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. I mean, I I have already taken the tournament off of my calendar. It'll be interesting to see how the program handles uh, some of the invite tournaments that you get uh, for the end of the season. And if they accept those invites and if they play them or if it's just one of those, hey, let's get through the Big 12 tournament and then start our rebuild. And how do you think, Guido, I mean, because I'm right there with you, but do you think we're getting to a point where it's going to be hard to just finish out the season to be on? Like I'm, I do like forget wins and losses. Like we just are trying to get to the end of the season, right? Like no one's having fun. Hugs is talking about, I only need seven in the post game. This feels right. like a very like edge of being a toxic situation, you know, Gabe and hugs fighting like it just feels very bad right and now. here's the thing Johnson I don't even know if I would say it's on the edge of being a toxic situation I mean obviously we're on the outside I think it might already be a toxic situation I mean, you're probably right yeah 
I think it's already there. I think that I think that the team is already there. I think the coaching staff's already there. I think there's probably a lot of uh, you know blood in the water, animosity in the room, whatever you want to say. Well, and do you think it reframes? You and I talked last week about those comments about quote we're all we've got on Twitter, you know, and we and I said, do you think some of that's also directed at coaches? It makes me reframe that even more. Like what? Maybe that is the case. I think that you know. I think there are some players that feel like they're out on an island. I think there are some coaches who feel like the players, you know, aren't listening and aren't putting in the work. Um, And I just think that there's this there. Like I said, the right the wrong guys are on the bus right now. And if it's coaches or if it's or if it's players or a combination thereof. And the, the real question is going to be some of those names that we would expect to come back next year, those Jalen Bridges, those Isaiah Cottrells, are, you know, I mean, you're not convinced. He's got another, you're not convinced. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that, you know, I mean, it would be to both of those guys who have ties to the state. Uh, it would be painful to see some guys leave because they feel like it's not a good fit. But, uh, you know, who are we to say maybe they're the not the good right. thing? Maybe, right. you know. Well, I think Scoot would say it's some coaches that need to look in the mirror. I think it's interesting your point about players. I, I think it's I think you're probably right. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think it's funny though, Guido, and tell me what you think. I think I already know what you're gonna say. But having said all that, and as bad as it is, there's a lot of bad basketball left to play. Like two Horn Frogs yeah. games, yeah. seven games. Uh, we play Purple Kansas again. You're gonna face this Iowa State team, although you got to go to Iowa State, and they always seem to play way more motivated there. And I would lump Oklahoma into that, but I'm not Guido because they turn around and beat Texas Tech their last time out. I think Porter Moser probably has them playing better than we think they are. So I I've started to lump them in that category, but other than Kansas at home and Texas at home, these other games in any normal season, I would say, and I think you would too, you would say, just go take care of business. Like there's a lot of opportunity there. Right. But in the current circumstances, wow, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I'm not confident right. in anything right now. I know. And and here's the thing, like we, we beat Kansas State, uh, you know, back in early January, but we beat a Kansas State team that showed up to the Coliseum with eight players and you know the guy who picks the towels up right. off the bench as the assistant coach right. like so your confidence there isn't through the roof either like no so now we travel to manhattan you know you you've got everybody's favorite screaming head coach back on the bench you probably they're gonna have their full team you know we I, I look at this schedule, Johnson. I mean, I haven't watched enough TCU games to be able to speak about them. Uh, but I know that they've not done horrible uh, like like us. Uh, but I look at the schedule. I look at these last seven games, and I'm, I'm, I have a hard time saying, oh, we can take one of those. I have a hard time saying no, I'm with you. I'm right with you. I went from after the Iowa State win, I thought, well, now we're in this pack of – teams that really aren't playing good basketball you know three four conference wins then you go out and play a game like a half like you do in Stillwater and this toxicity afterwards and I'm like well I 
I don't know that you're good enough to take advantage of even any of those games. So I, I don't know. I'm right there with you. I think for what it's worth, uh, Ethan Bach at Ethan Bach on Twitter, he he uh, tweeted out something this morning. West Virginia has now fallen 12 spots in the net rankings, going from 57 to 69 following the loss to Oklahoma State. So for anyone still holding out hope of tournament chances, you certainly didn't. You certainly didn't help yourself. You you kind of went from on the bubble to Guido. I would say pretty much off the bubble now. You know, a, a loss like that that's a pretty good tumble. Yeah. Uh, for a loss to a team with a losing record, so now you've you've really made it even even more of an uphill than it already was. I mean, Ken Palm has us at sixty four now, which is literally on the bubble. But you got to remember, sixty four in the power rankings really isn't on the bubble because you have all of those teams that come in because they won their you know whatever sure. the right. big sky tournament and they have to play yeah in, no you know? you're exactly right yeah yeah so and 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 with that said in all of the power rankings i haven't seen one where west virginia isn't the lowest ranked team in the big 12 so west virginia now in ken palm and all of the aggregate rankings shows west virginia's the lowest ranked team i mean you know, kudos to the Big 12 for being a powerful conference. You know, you've got Syracuse and the ACC, which is a team, you know, that, you know, has got this history, historic coach like we do. And they're in Ken Palm 74. They're not good this year either. But I just think, Johnson, that, you know, we're at, we're at a point, unfortunately, where I think there is no coming back from this. I'm just, I, I, I and I saw somebody uh, posted, I actually think I, uh, I saw somebody posted on uh, WVU Twitter. You know, what was worse this year, WVU football or WVU basketball? And I think if you would have asked me that at the January 1st, I would have been like, oh, WVU football was painful this year. I think this is I'm I'm having a harder time with WVU basketball right now. Like yeah, this is I, way more I painful. Feel, I think I feel the same way just because of the way it's playing out. It's so bad, Guido, that I saw a full scale argument about was Gail Catlett better or worse than this? I mean, that's how bad it's gotten in the minds of people on WVU Twitter, which was kind of a hilarious. So, and I'll and we'll leave it. But you know the people that, you know the people that have hot takes when Hugs is having a bad season. You should yeah, right. see. You should see their glorious takes on Gail Catlett. Uh, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like it's just mind blowingly bad. The takes that you see about that stuff. But I think this feels bad because. I don't want Hugs to go out this way either. And I think as he edges toward whatever might be his last season, you certainly don't want to see every television broadcast saying, well, I know this is a just, you know, a horrible dumpster fire, but keep in mind the 914 wins or whatever, you know, that right. to me, that just doesn't do it any kind of service and it feels bad it feels bad for him i'm sure so i'd rather see i'm not saying it needs to be a you know final four run or something but it i'd rather him be having strong seasons where he feels good about his guys people feel good about the program and then whenever he chooses to step away so be it but this has to be extremely painful i mean i, I think we all thought he was i mean i i think i even said at the beginning of the season oh he's gonna pass calhoun this year with wins and that I, that, I mean, I think that's actually impossible now. I don't even think he could do it mathematically at this point. I think so. you're right. Uh, so it's just an interesting situation all around for WVU basketball. We'll leave it at that. WVU plays uh, two games this week. They play Monday night uh, in Manhattan against K-State. That game's uh, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. And then they play Kansas in the Coliseum Saturday at 8 p.m. That game's on the big network. It's on ESPN. So that's a primetime time. Uh, fiasco. Yay. I hope it's not. 
A lot of eyeballs on that. Let's get a lot of eyeballs on that. It's that's the that's the stuff I worry about. Is like you're you're playing a number eight ranked Kansas. Well, they're they're eighth ranked right now. They'll probably be higher by the time, even though they did struggle a little over the weekend against their opponent. But you play a, a, a number eight Kansas, eight p.m. on ESPN. It like it's I just and I'm afraid. Like if we let Oklahoma State beat us by twenty points, I mean, I, can we lose a game? Can you lose a game by fifty points? Is that possible? <laughs> Like it could happen. Right? I don't want to. I'd rather not find out. I think. I mean, what, that's what I'm picturing in my head. Like I'm. I don't know. It it could get. It could get rough. Uh, but I hope people should. And that's the thing. Huggins did say this. And that, sorry. And then we'll wrap it up. Huggins did say this. He said, you know, we're averaging eleven thousand six hundred people in the Coliseum to watch us play this season. Like we watched that game yesterday at the historic Gallagher Iba oh, Arena. No one there. Yeah, no. There were like 20 people yeah, there. Yeah, nobody I'm, there. We, we, we were commenting on that, too. It's crazy. And I know Oklahoma State is a bad team this this season as well, or at least the records show that, but nobody was there. No. I mean, it was- It was empty. It was, it was empty. And so, I, I don't know, Johnson. I just don't even- it's so yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Right it's going to be if nothing else it will be interesting for fans to watch and see what happens with this roster. Yeah. What comes of these comments? How how do these last, you know, half dozen or so games go? Um I don't know. I'm hoping it can still end positively, but it sure doesn't feel like that right now. Um Guido, there were a few other non uh basketball things maybe to touch on just yeah, sure. before we before we end the segment. So um, you know, my uh, man crush, Coach Jamila Dai, uh, I, yes. I thought it was surprising we saw him moving on from the national champion Georgia Bulldogs this week. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. And and it, and it didn't feel like, it, I mean, maybe we're wrong and I don't know enough. It felt kind of like a lateral move. Like, you leave a national championship team and you go to... Not a national championship team. Yeah, that's I think the same. I think for him the big pull here is Florida's home, the Miami area's home. So I think that's kind of a dream, you know, like a dream yeah. opportunity for him. So good for him. But it just it pains me to see all of the success he's having with other people. I I'd love to have him back in Morgantown, but I think I'm I'm glad he was there for a time and and good for him, good for his family getting back home, uh, getting back home to Miami in the state of Florida, and then. WVU and some of WVU coaching news, they do fill uh, a wide receiver coaching position that they had in that they were in need of Guido. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what, it's kind of an exciting uh, hire to have Tony Washington come and be with the team, former NFL guy. He's done a lot of stuff. I mean, this is, so this is proof though. I guess I want to say for me, what I see out of this, he comes from Coastal Carolina. Right. You know, we all kind of know what Coastal Carolina has been doing yeah. uh, the last couple of years in football. Uh, Graham Harrell really kind of putting his stamp now on this offensive staff, John. Yeah, and isn't it funny that we lamented as the season was ending and basketball was really getting fired up just how empty, you know, we were talking about, I think, wasn't it BFW tweeted out that meme of uh, of Will Smith standing yeah. in the living, the empty living room on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yes. Like, it was, it felt yes. empty. You know, we were actually on one hand counting the wide receivers we, we knew of. Um, since then, they've added some real... I think some real receiver help player wise in the form of some Juco transfers. Then they grab Graham Harrell and now they're bringing Tony Washington in. I don't know. Do you suddenly I feel okay about that situation? Like I feel like Neil Brown and yeah. the coaching staff has said, yep, we got to fix this and we're doing it. You know, we're going to replenish this 
wide receiver room. We're going to put a solid coach in there. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but at least I feel like now it's on solid footing again as we roll into next season. No, absolutely. And it also gives us a reason to talk and say Chanticleers. Right. <laughs> the shots. Well, and there's no ignore. I mean, come on. They Coastal Carolina has been, ter- are you kidding? You know, a school like that yeah, right. from out of nowhere. Uh, so they're obviously doing good things down there. And I think he probably brings, a, he feels like he brings a lot of energy in as well. And I love that. Yeah. And I mean, he's been recognized as one of the top 35 coaches under the age of 35. I mean, there, there's a lot of good that comes with adding Tony Washington to the, to the receivers. And, and of course he had a great pro, you know, he had a good pro career as well. So, you know, that's a knowledge that he can bring to these guys. I, I'm, I'm super excited that, you know, I, I feel I'm, I'm like you, like, I feel like this Graham Harrell hire has like re-energized my, you know, passion yeah. for WVU football. Me too. I'm excited. I'm excited for spring game. I'm it was excited like a big for, shot in the arm. I mean, it, the, it was. And, 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 and I think I'm also excited for the fact that, you know, Coach Brown was very transparent and very honest about I'm it's I've been doing it wrong. This is how I'm gonna fix it. Yeah. And this is what I'm gonna do. And he was he was like, I've been calling it, it's wrong. Let's change it. This is what's yeah, credit to him. I mean, like, give the guy credit. That was a big thing to do, and now it looks like they're really putting some tools in place. I I, I agree. I like it makes me look makes me look forward to spring and, and see what's gonna happen with WVU football. And you know, as a Patriots fan, I'm excited that there's a former New England Patriot now on the coaching staff. So <laughs> just that's, like cherry on top for you, right? I mean just cherry on top for me. So that's that's good. Well, Johnson, we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. We'll be back next week with another show. We'll talk about what happens in Manhattan and back at the Coliseum against uh, Kansas. Yeah, so, so WVU we'll, basketball fans, stay strong. <laughs> like, just we'll make we'll, it. We'll, make we're it. all going to do this together. We'll get we'll yes. get through it. We, we are here for you. <laughs> so that's, that's that's all we can say. Listen, and we're here for you if you find us online. Just look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears On. And Johnson, we have a great website, gotyourearson.com. We do. You can find the latest uh, blog post with all the show notes and links that we talked about. You can find the latest show in the sidebar. The tune-in link is right there. And you can also click through to the merch store to check out our uh, GYEO merch. So check it all out. Yeah, check it out. Got Your Ears On. Dot com And please keep listening, liking, and subscribing. Download. You know, every time the team starts to tank like this, we see it in our download numbers as well. People just get tired of like, I don't even want to listen to a podcast about this team. Right. So tell your friends to download that we're fun and we have other things and to talk about. And we'll talk about, about so. other fun stuff too. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, right. We'll exactly. Help. We'll help. We'll be mood yes. helpers. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. <laughs>